Hi, and welcome back to the Too Much Lime podcast. I'm Maddie. And I'm Julia. And today we're going to be talking a bit about the way that Lyme disease dysregulates the nervous system and your mental and emotional health and well-being. Um, this is a topic that Maddie and I, I feel like we say this for all of them, but we really care about this topic. Um, yeah, we wouldn't give you one we didn't care about. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, you know, it's something that we have both struggled with a lot and had a lot of personal conversations about and it's been kind of one of those things that's pretty central to both of our experiences in very different ways um but we do think Mm -hmm. it's a, a really essential topic to understand the way that Lyme disease really does impact your mental health and impact your nervous system and stress response on a biological level and how that kind of gets incorporated into your journey. Um, So Maddie's going to tell us about a super cool and upsetting study. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know if any of you listened to our interview last week, two weeks ago, I think, with um, Dr. Tim Salati of the Global Lyme Alliance. He's the chief scientific officer, so he does a lot of their research efforts. And he brought up this study that is, I think, pre-approved for publication and about to be published um, that uh, GLA helped fund through Columbia University and Copenhagen Hospital in Denmark. And basically, this study was they they a combination of trying to figure out how depression and suicidality affect Lyme patients and like if there's a connection. And so basically they surveyed and studied all thousands of Danish citizens who had been diagnosed with Lyme disease and looked at their connections to depression and suicidality. And they saw a real cause and effect relationship of Lyme causing this to happen. And it was a really interesting study because it's showing a lot of what I think doctors have suspected for a long time about since the Lyme bacteria can break the blood-brain barrier and burrow into the brain and, you know, it causes dysregulation of the nervous system and it can actually cause a lot of mental health conditions like, you know, obsessive compulsive disorder as well as like depression and suicidality. And so I think this was something that I was really hopeful to hear about. I mean, it's obviously sad and it's hard, but like the more that we can prove and know the mechanisms behind it, the more people with Lyme and other tick-borne diseases will be able to get the help that they deserve in terms of the mental health aspect. Because for me, um, if you've listened to my story at all, a lot of the issues that I had in the beginning that were the most prominent were mental health issues and issues of things like OCD, depression, and suicidal thoughts. And so it was hard for doctors to truly understand that that was coming from like a pathological place instead of, pathological is not the right word, but like it was coming from a biological issue and like a because of an infection and not necessarily because of other reasons that that come up that those mental health conditions come up in in the world and in the population right so right. 
it took a long time because those were the most pressing. I did have other issues like fatigue and pain and, you know, but those were because the the mental health problems were so aggressive, they had to be dealt with first. And so it I didn't get help for a really long time with Lyme because I was going to a lot of different therapists and trying different medications and therapies that were either making me worse or doing nothing. And it was like very difficult for them to understand why nothing was working or at least like making a dent. And so I'm hopeful that studies like this will be able to give us and kind of get the ball rolling to get a better picture of what's going on. Right, right. And, you know, something that I always think about, and it's written in a couple um, Richard Horowitz book um, references it, but there's been several studies, you know, trying to understand when a person has stage three or even probably stage two Lyme disease, which means it's been kind of living and hiding in your body for a prolonged period of time. You know, what what that trigger is that makes it reemerge, you know, makes you become sick because otherwise, you know, it would just live in your body forever and maybe you would never really know it. And there's been countless studies now that have just found that the thing that triggers the Lyme disease to kind of come out of dormancy, come awake, start to destroy your body, basically, is, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not like getting the flu or getting strep or getting mono. It's never something, you know, illness related in that sense, which is what I would have expected, you know, like a compromised immune system. Instead, it is something that is an emotional illness, you know, like something that shakes you to your core. You know, the things that they list are the most common are like death of a loved one, you know, some type of really personal trauma or, you know, your parents being divorced or personally experienced a divorce or, you know, something that is an emotional trigger. And so, you know, I remember reading this study and for me, again, as Maddie mentioned, if you've listened to our first you know episodes where we talk about our stories in depth um it was also you know i did um an emdr trauma therapy that i'd never done before and basically didn't know what i was doing and you know it triggered an extreme emotional response and then you know two days later i got sick and you know as maddie just mentioned for her personally it was so mental health you know it appears as a mental health disorder before it appears as a um you know pathological bacterial infection you know um and it's because Mm -hmm. they're just so intertwined like you know i think that i don't think that there's any other illness that the thing that triggers it to start to attack your body is an emotional response you know it's usually like a weakened immune system and it's not like a trauma that makes you your whole body go into fight or flight and it really does show how Lyme disease is so embedded in your central nervous system in your HPA axis you know in your stress response and your brain essentially and you know I think that's just something that a lot of people don't think about and don't give weight to the way it should be you know yeah and I think along those lines, we were talking about this before we started because we just wanted to like 
kind of get the other side of the picture because with chronic illness, any type of chronic illness, it's mentally taxing to live isolated, to live, you know, scared of, you know, the pain of what's going to come next, of all those things that cause a lot of, you know, issues about depression and anxiety and stuff like that. And I think that's what's more talked about with the mental health and chronic illness connection, like more about how the isolation and fear causes those, you know, mental health conditions to come up, but less is talked about specifically with Lyme disease about this part where like the bacteria and pathogens in your body are causing the mental health conditions to happen along with also having, you know, the feelings of being isolated and being afraid and and stuff like that. Like there's there's two real sides to it. Right. Right. They're really like layered on top of each other. And I remember so well when I, you know, first got sick. You know, I think it's easy to like beat ourselves up about how we first approached being sick or just how, you know, it's always easier to look back and be like, oh, I should have done this or I should have thought about this. But, you know, when I first got sick, I was so, so, um, I don't even know how to explain it. Like you're just drowning in like pain and symptoms. And so thinking about the mental health side of it for me, or kind of like that, um, that more personal side of it, it feels like, at least in my experience, was just like so secondary. I was like, no, I will think about my trauma and the way that that might be intertwined when I'm done feeling extreme amounts of pain. Like that's, I can't even think about that right now, you know? And so mm-hmm. for me, it was just like, I I didn't even think about it for the longest time because I couldn't, you know, it was like, if I even tried to think about that, I think I would just like implode because that was too much for my brain to stress out about all at once. Like, you know, when you're, yeah, you've said and- this before, Mads, of like, when you you have to choose to like actually put the effort into surviving and only then and you've made it past that point can you get to the things that seem a little bit smaller like oh how is my stress response associated with this like i'm gonna make sure i don't Mm -hmm. die first and then i'll get there like (laughs) yeah it's like getting yourself out of survival mode first it's like your body's ability to like prioritize what matters Mm -hmm. in that moment what what is mad like what is most important to keep you alive in this moment right right and so and it's a lot hard. of times yeah and so and mine obviously was a very different experience i had more neurological lyme disease and so my issues the most prominent were you know thoughts of suicide thoughts of extreme depression and sadness and like ocd like behaviors and stuff and it was that that felt like we really needed to handle like get a handle on before we could deal with anything else like the fact that i like couldn't get out of bed in the morning because i was so tired or anything like that or you know that I had shooting pains in my legs, which had just happened for so long that I didn't notice was like a big issue or anything like that. So it's kind of interesting what you prioritize. And like normally I think that shows up with symptom severity. Like you're going to go with the most severe things first and you're going to try and make those better. Right. And then figure out like how to deal with the rest. And I think now we're both at a place where 
we've healed to the extent that we feel like we can take on other aspects of like our emotional well-being and that's a big reason why we gave you the healing books because that's a big part of what we're doing now um you know about reading things that will help like recenter us almost um because we do like you know julie and i both don't produce enough cortisol to counteract stressful situations in life like even if it's like really small things that you wouldn't expect to be stressful because we don't like because our system like our stress response system doesn't work properly like we're gonna get so thrown off by those and so it becomes a very different type of lifestyle that you end up having to lead because now julia and i have to focus on creating lives that limit stress right because we're not able to handle it in the proper way right so we have you know for us we love reading books that help center us and bring us new ideas you know mindfulness and meditation has been helpful for both of us just to like try to create you know routine or something like that so that it's you know nothing is catching you off guard as much and you know you're you're doing the best you can to keep yourself on a more balanced field yeah and that's not something that I lived with like that's something that I think I've really had to build because I've always been like the go 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 kind of person and like if you're not doing something or you're not chasing the next best thing or whatever you're doing nothing kind of like you know what I mean right, like I've, right. I've always had that like really aggressive personality and I've had to learn how my body can do that in some ways and then most of the time cannot so like almost like pick your moments right right and it is so much of like I'm so glad you phrased it like that like it's such a lifestyle shift you know we both before were like you know I think classic kind of that type a personality of you know a 20 year old in college of like you know you're never stop moving because it's like oh if I'm resting I'm not studying or I'm not you know being productive you know we were very much mm -hmm. those types of people, which I think a lot of people are. And so to go from like 110 all of a sudden down to literally like negative 6 million is, <laughs> it's very strange. And, you know, I think in both of our, you know, quote unquote healing journeys, however you want to phrase it, you know, in these processes of slowly working our way up and working towards a lifestyle that enables us to feel our best and also like be a human um you know you go through like trial and error of pushing those boundaries you know like i both of us oh yeah you know we used to love to run you know we were both runners before being sick and I know for both of us, we have tried countless times to like, you know what? I'm feeling good. I'm just going to get back into running. And then it's just like, no, like I physically such a bad, it's idea. a horrible idea. And I don't even know, like looking, I haven't run in like a year and a half now, but looking back at those moments now, I'm like, what the hell were you doing? Like, why would you try to run? You're clearly not feeling well. Like, it's just not worth it. 
But in the moment. Oh, my God. I ran a 10-mile race, and I was like, this is a horrible I physically idea. still can't get over that because, like, <laughs> I I just can't. I. But then I'm like, no, like, that seems like something I would even try to do. And it's like, why? It's just so much easier to look back and be like, you're stupid than to actually think it in oh, the yeah. moment. Like, <laughs> Well, and because I was sitting there thinking, like, you know, it was senior year. We all said we were going to do this for the past couple of years. And, like, I want to do it. And I was feeling good at the time. Right. Like, you know, I was feeling pretty good. And, and I, you know, so I was like, okay, well, we'll start. And I was, like, realistic. Like, I, I at least managed my expectations. Like, you're not going to be as fast. Like, we're not running for speed. Like, we're running to just finish it. Like, and more for fun and stuff. Exactly. And, um, but, like, it was, you know, days in between weeks off where, like, I couldn't run back-to-back days because I think I would die. Like, yeah. I would have to take a nap as soon as I got home from running. Like, I there were weeks where I was just, like, too sick and I, like, couldn't run at all. And you're just sitting there and you're like, this is probably a really bad idea. Right? But it's <laughs> so hard because it's, like, I think it's just that part of you, you know, that part of whoever is sick. Like, there's just a part of you that constantly wants to grab, like, I don't even know, like, a life-saving device of health and, like, somehow just all of a sudden come to the surface and, like, be healthy again. And it's just, like, until you kind of accept that you're, like, treading water for the rest of your life and you're not going to grab onto a noodle, you're going to keep trying. And it's just, for some people, like, you will find a way, you know, not that sounds really depressing, but you will find a way to do things that work for you. Like, I thought I would never be able to exercise again, but now it's very much, like, reframing, like, 98% of exercise I can't do, but that 2% of exercise that I can do is really lovely and I like to do it. But it's just Mm -hmm. kind of like accepting that your whole world gets shaken and you have to kind of rebuild your world around your new limits. And you're kind of constantly testing those limits, but you eventually come to a place where like you feel comfortable within them. You know, I feel comfortable where I'm at right now. And, you know, just like you mentioned, you have to get a routine and when that you know i i was actually just talking to maddie about this before we started recording because i am like so routine for me is the one thing that will keep me not getting overwhelmed like even like you know i live with justin and our dog and if something in the morning does not like shakes my routine he knows he's like oh my god an earthquake has arrived like the day is ruined like (laughs) even if it's something as small as like you know, my, my mornings are sacred and all of a sudden we realize that we don't have coffee and we have to go to the grocery store. Like, it can be something so small. It doesn't have to be a stressful event like you get the flu or something really severe. It can be, like, the smallest thing. And it's like, oh, my God, like, earthquake. Like, the world is shaking and everything is falling apart, you know? Yeah. And I think that comes off to people who don't understand or haven't taken the time to really you know investigate why that is it can come off as like weakness of like you can't handle everyday life and I've definitely like slipped into that because that's you know that's just like a shameful narrative that I'll sometimes tell myself being overwhelmed by something really small and being gosh like why can't you just like be a normal human for five minutes and just right not react super aggressively to nothing like why do you have to like go off the deep end and i think 
it 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 is per- it can be perceived as like this type of weakness but what it really is is it comes down to like your nervous system doesn't work correctly and if it doesn't work correctly everything's going to throw you off balance because your nervous system is designed to keep you balanced in like everything in in your you know in your breath in your heart rate you know in your blood pressure in your hormone levels like everything like that and if you're not if it's off you're gonna you're gonna have these really extreme swings and like almost finding out for myself that like that was okay like that that wasn't my fault or that like because I always had because I got undiagnosed I was undiagnosed for a long time I have this complex in me that was always like you can't handle life as well as everyone else can right like why and that so that's something that like I've had to fight for a really long time like and was even after getting diagnosed and realizing like oh this wasn't actually my fault um getting you know that that type of thinking is still a pathway in my brain that like is easy to go to right so I think almost like finding out and like and and expressing obviously this is an episode more for people who are experiencing these things right now but i mean if it's a loved one or a friend or something who's listening to like it's helpful to understand why someone acts the way they do right right and i think it can come across like for for instance I I'm I'm gone from Colorado and I'm back home so I'm literally like in this moment 20 minutes away from Maddie and I've been home for like (laughs) over a week a week no yeah like a week and three days whatever and we haven't seen each other yet which is like crazy but I'm like I was was literally telling her before this I was like Maddie I have taken this long to figure out a routine like to get settled like I unpacked but then I had to like like unpacking and like getting settled for the average person like that's a couple days but for me i have to get like emotionally unsettled or settled not unsettled emotionally settled in like i am here now like i will find a routine it's okay and that takes so long and i like haven't seen all these people that i want to see because i'm home and oh my god i love everybody and i just haven't been able to see them yet because it's like i have to build my new boundaries and my new, you know, calm space that is now across the country from where it usually is. And like that takes time and like settling in and it, you know, I think for some people that can come across as like, okay, you're just making an excuse or, you know, you just, I don't even know what the reason would be. Like you're lazy. I don't know. Like I think it can come across again, if you don't understand the level of mental health and stress um, regulation that we need to do. Like it can come across a little crazy that I haven't met Maddie or my cousin who I'm really good friends with for lunch yet. You know what I mean? But obviously Maddie understands, but you know, it's, I think it's just really hard and that can then kick in that, um, you know, feeling the need to explain yourself, which is a trauma response that Maddie and I talk about personally all the time, of feeling the need to be like, you know, make other people feel comfortable with my need to take some time for myself, you know, being like, I'm really sorry, you know, and then going off on like a 20 minute explanation dump that 
really doesn't make anybody feel better and just makes you kind of feel shitty about yourself, you know? And it can just be really hard. Yeah. And it's hard. And I think, I feel like maybe the word you're looking for is it can make you seem like standoffish or like you're blowing people off. Yes. Like you don't really want to spend time with them. And I think even if you know that it's not true, like even if you know the, like, you, you know, like I know that you need time to like put your life together and stuff and like figure it out and feel safe and and feel you know like balanced again in a new space it can it can be hard still because i think all of like our minds are kind of wired for like human connection and and friendship and and whatever kind of that you know relationship that is and so i think it can be hard to not jump to that conclusion but consistently reminding yourself of like you know, if it's me, like I, like I work hard not to text Julia like a thousand times, like, Hey, want to hang out? Cause I'm <laughs> bored out of my mind. Um, right. but I didn't just move, you know what I mean? So it's me being like, she'll text me when she has the emotional capacity to do whatever we want to do or, you know, whatever it is. Right. And so it's like, it's like reminding yourself, even if you know, just being like, because I think it's e- very easy to take something personally, because I think we're always like I'm always worried like oh I'm like you're as like being an inadequate person like I think that's a pretty common like worry that people have of like I'm not enough for right. whatever is going on and so I think reminding yourself of what other people need and thinking about like what you would need in that situation might be really different you may not have to feel like you need to set up a routine like maybe that's not how you cope with stress and stuff like maybe you do it in a different way right and so like recognizing almost like you guys ever had the um or like read that book about the love languages like each people person like just expresses their love in different ways and appreciates like love in a certain way like receiving love in a certain way so it's almost like that of okay the way that i move and settle in somewhere or you know go on vacation or whatever and how I like go about making sure that I don't end up in a flare is not necessarily the same thing as Julia's right and knowing that like that's okay but I need to respect and we both need to respect the other person's process for it right right and I think it can be really hard like I was actually having this conversation with my family two nights ago because they you know they obviously know and understand but i think it's just kind of just as you just said like that it's almost like a perspective shift like you need to and this just works for any situation ever in the face of the universe is like understanding that works for me might not work for you or trying to know Mm -hmm. that you know one my perspective is not the same as your perspective or something like that you know i was having that conversation with my family being like look You know, when I came home last summer, it was like a dumpster fire of anxiety and it was horrible. Like I got really sick. I was, it was just really bad. And like, we're trying to like actively find ways for that not to happen this summer. And so I had to sit my family Mm -hmm. down and explain this, you know, like emotional bubble or like, you know, stress relieving bubble that oftentimes I love my family to death. And I think every family and loved ones you know like are gonna burst that bubble periodically like my sister's getting married there's so much stress at my house and i'm like that is the best thing ever and it doesn't i kind of had to explain that 
and again, I think this is something that people don't often think about. Like happy stress is the same on my body as sad stress. Like the amazing, fabulous stress of having my whole family home for my sister's wedding is equally exhausting as stress of driving 26 hours home from Colorado. You know, like it doesn't, Mm -hmm. I was like, my sister was kind of getting like not offended, but she was like, oh, like my wedding stresses you out. And I'm like, well, yeah, duh, but it's not in a bad way. (laughs) Like it's in a happy way. Picking your moments. Exactly. You know, and I think that, you know, kind of like broad strokes purposes, like that is that social stress that people don't, you know, for, I think if you're not sick with Lyme disease, yes, you have like that adrenaline before you see people for the first time or before you hang out with people or go to dinner, you know, it's like a happy adrenaline that you probably don't even think about it as stress. But for Maddie and I, like going out to dinner or, you know, we had family dinner with my cousins, like that is happy and wonderful, but it is super stressful, like to my body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not even like, I think we need to, there's a connotation with stress that it's negative. Like stress is negative. And I think, I think that's warranted, you know, because stress does bad things to your body, but like I think there almost needs to be another word involved because there's negative stress and then there's happy stress and happy stress is almost like an oxymoron. Like it's not, it doesn't make sense and there's, that's almost like not a good word for it. It's almost like, you know, just using the word like adrenaline or something. Like I get a lot of adrenaline from this and it makes me really happy and that's why I get it. But adrenaline still affects me negatively. Right. It's almost like there's this duality to it in the same way that there's this duality to the mental health aspects of Lyme. Right. Like it's, I think it's just so much more interconnected and complex than at face value. You know, just as we said at the beginning of the episode, when Maddie and I make reference to our anxiety or stress or mental illness in connection to Lyme people are usually like oh yeah you're sick duh and it's like no you know you kind of have to take it that one step further and I think that's the same with how we have to then combat it like we have to take it one step further than the average person has to you know deal with their stress like I think for a lot of people during quarantine was just an extremely stressful time so they started to develop stress relieving activities which is amazing and everyone should do them but you know you kind of need to understand that if you don't meditate in the morning you're still going to be fine throughout the day whereas if Maddie and I's kind of like bubble of stress relief gets popped that same way it won't be fine like we will then feel physically Lyme disease sick you know like if I Mm -hmm. experience something really stressful that shakes my routine or just is whatever is just stressful to me it's not like I'm going to be stressed like the average person it's like I will be super stressed and my body will actually respond and then I will be sick for a couple days you know like it's much more of a whole body experience of stress than it is just like a oh I'm stressed or oh I feel my blood pumping and my heart racing because I'm 
I have adrenaline. Like it's like, no, now mm-hmm. take that one step further. And for us, that's so interconnected with our illness that then it triggers an illness response too. Yeah. And I think we have done a lot of, Julie and I are both big advocates for therapy. Um, Always. Always. Yes. We, yeah, we both have some form of complex PTSD that doesn't really relate to Lyme disease. Right. And, you know, it, it rears its head in that context, but the like root cause isn't necessarily that always. And so I think that's a whole nother level because not only do you have the bacterial and inflammation based effect on your psychology that comes from Lyme disease and can bring up really scary psychiatric symptoms. But you also can have this combination of like maybe you're genetically predisposed to psychiatric conditions, or maybe you have something that's totally not related to Lyme that, like Julie and I have, that causes a mental health condition like complex PTSD. You know, it's you then have multiple layers to go through because dealing with one can set off the other, but you have to deal with both in order to get better. And that's a really difficult balance to find. Yes. Especially, I think, with trauma therapy, because it's really easy to get re-triggered by um, trauma therapy. And you need to be, like, for me, I needed to be in a place to do that therapy where I was, like, healthy enough from the Lyme disease that it made sense. You know, it's it's that same thing. Like I needed to wait until like I that was okay, and I got a lot of the psychiatric conditions that were related to Lyme and like that Lyme was causing under control. So then I could see like it's almost like peeling back the onion. Okay, this is what's left of like something that's that's not related to Lyme, but still presents itself as like a psychiatric condition. And so I needed like okay, it's like now I've got the Lyme neuropsych symptoms under control now i need to get non you know just regular mental health issues like under control and and start to heal those and that's multiple layers and i think just shows the complexity of an illness like lyme or another tick-borne disease because you can never there's never like one formula to go through because everybody's body presents differently based on their past experiences and how long it's been in their body and all of those things. Right. Right. And recognizing like it has a compounding effect kind of like, you know, you have what Lyme does and then you have, you know, whatever past experiences or predispositions or, you know, if you just have generalized anxiety, like something like that. And it just almost like intensifies one another so Mm -hmm. you know as maddie and i are slowly but surely beginning the process simultaneously of like doing trauma therapy it's so much more you know convoluted and complicated because it is so much more you know it has like a i don't even know intensifying effect like you know maddie will go in to do um 
like an EMDR or um, like a trauma type talk therapy talk session. And it's like, not only does, do we have to keep in mind, you know, the normal emotional response of talking about something that traumatized you whenever it did. Um, but then you also have to keep in mind like, okay, if I don't keep my shit together in handling this, then it will spiral into feeling sick as well. You know, like it will, you know, it's like a two-way street between them, like feeling sick, like knowing that the sickness compounds your stress response, which messes with your trauma therapy, but then also knowing that your trauma therapy will then also, you know, influence your stress response, which will then make you feel sick. So it's it's so much more of like a slower give and take process, which can be so infuriating. Um, oh, yeah. It's not just easy. Like, let's go in and do it. Like, I feel like with anything Lyme related, like it's always more difficult than it feels like it should be. Right. And it's something that's like always been really aggravating to me. Nothing in health is straightforward in in when I go in and I'm trying to understand and fix a problem because of Lyme it makes some everything so much worse even if like what I'm going in for is nothing to do with Lyme disease but like right it just adds this wrinkle that's so hard to smooth out and you know I I get really frustrated with that and I mean even the other day I had I got a phone call from my doctor's office and I just did a bunch of labs and stuff and I assumed that she would call to um set up a time to go over them and so her receptionist called and you know said hi you know and you know it's not urgent but it's complicated and I just sat there and laughed and I was like when is it not like when, when is this not what we're doing? Like when you get back lab results, things that should be very like black and white and yet they're still so much gray. Right, right, right. And it's just kind of like, I feel like for me, until I kind of like accepted and settled into that fact that like I will probably live in the gray for a while now um, and, you know, for much of my future like you kind of have to like it's a weird feeling of like accepting the fact that like your life will be different like these things will happen like I will have to deal with stress and deal with my mental and emotional well-being much more you know, specifically and almost like obsessively than the average person and like just accepting that this is a part of it. And only when I have started to do that, which again, Maddie and I talk always about books and books are something that we both have really used books for that purpose. You know, kind of like you accept that you're treading water and you're not, you're not just floating through life anymore. Like you have to put more of an effort and thought into what you're doing even if it's something like going to the grocery store um you know once want to do like going exactly to yeah like go to dinner with your family you know like that can sometimes be something that's like i i can't like i want to be with you guys i would love to eat fancy food but like no i can't do it like i'm gonna stay mm-hmm. home and i'm gonna sit in bed and watch tv <laughs> um yeah. 
And until you kind of become comfortable and situated and stop fighting that, like I think, you know, both of us trying to run was almost a rebellion of that being like, no, like I, I can, I can have it all. Like I, I can move past this, you know, until you kind of accept that you just have a new way of life, like your, your earth was shattered and you have to rebuild it differently than it looked before. And it can still be amazing. And, you know, to like end on a positive note, like it's still an amazing life that you rebuild. It's just that you have to accept that it's a different life than it was. You know, like mm-hmm. you shattered, you had a puzzle and you broke it and now the picture is completely different. Like, but it's still can, you can still find pockets of, you know, happy and joyfulness and beauty and everything like that inside of it. But, you know, you, you kind of give your body and your mind the grace to have a little bit of a harder time, you know, like stop beating I finally stopped beating myself up about just having a a lot smaller of a threshold to get overwhelmed and to get anxious than the average person does and it's that self shame almost that right. like shame spiral that is really hard to get over and to learn to put aside and accept and it's not something that I've like fully been able to do yet and I think everybody kind of gets there in their own time and like learns to accept what their life looks like in a very different way. And there's also waves to it. Like, you know, you might figure it out for like a year and then something shakes you up and you're like, oh, everything's messed now. <laughs> like, right. You know, it's so. kind of like a constant learning process or unlearning mm-hmm. maybe. I don't know. Yeah. it's. I think a lot of it is unlearning. I think that's totally true. You know, unlearning all of the things that you used to do and all of the expectations that you had of yourself that were like the things that you told yourself really mattered so it's almost that idea of you know reframing that your productivity is not a accurate portrayal of your worth as a human being right and i think before i got sick i really believed that that was the case like you had to be incredibly productive and successful and you know just moving all the time to be a really worthy person and you know it only exponentially grew when you continued to do those things and learning to disassociate those two things and understand that productivity and worth are not connected has been you know I, that's something I've really had to unlearn and, and the more that I do that the more at ease I am right so you know although this pod this episode definitely had its sad moments and is definitely a pretty heavy topic um you know we hope that if you're someone who is currently struggling with Lyme or knows someone struggling with Lyme this kind of makes you understand the the really whole body experience that Lyme is and Mm -hmm. you know I hope that if you are struggling right now with Lyme disease and you've been feeling all this time like you're not productive or you're going crazy or you should have your shit together you know take it from the two of us that that's definitely just it's not the case like you're not going crazy it's okay if you're not productive and you probably won't have your shit together for some time now and that's totally fine and just give yourself the grace to recognize that your personal will cannot overtake the fact that pathogens are 
messing with your body right now and messing with your mind and just knowing that as you start to rebuild your life and your bubble of safety and you know less stress as much as you can um it takes some time rome wasn't built in a day you know all those things that people say really are true (laughs) you know it's going to take some constant breaking and reforming until you kind of get it right but just trying to give yourself some patience and love and acceptance during that process we hope that you gained a little bit of that from this episode and um thank you so much for listening as always and we will catch you next time on the too much lime podcast The information in this podcast is meant to be supportive and not for medical advice. Please consult your physician before making any medical decisions. You can find a Lyme literate provider at gla.org in their find a doctor section.